Well, let's welcome on and say hello to Ari Temkin. He is a host of the morning show on Big 12 Radio, Sirius XM Channel 375. He's joining us on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. Ari, let's start off on the football side of things. This week, Matt Campbell inked the new extension through 2028. I, I, I never thought he was going anywhere. You follow this conference closely. I imagine you didn't either, but... It seems like every offseason, no matter what Matt Campbell says, no matter what Matt Campbell does, he's going to be linked to jobs. Is that just going to be how it is, or is there a way to put an end to this conversation? First off, before we get started, and, and that's a great question, and I, I want to talk about Matt Campbell, I just want to applaud you, Pete, for what you do. I'm an avid listener of your podcast. I love the website. It's an incredible amount of work that you put in for this conference. It's an incredible amount of great work that you put in for this conference. And so I just, you know, I hope that on SiriusXM we're kind of an extension of what you guys do here with Heartland College Sports because there's just not enough coverage and content surrounding this conference, despite, you know, how, how, how much this conference excels in football and basketball. So I just wanted to first, you know, tell everybody listening that I love this podcast. I listen, you know, basically to every episode because there's stuff in there that I use on my show on SiriusXM. And, and so I appreciate, you know, I appreciate what you do and it's an incredible asset for this this conference well thank you for that Ari. Um, that's very nice no absolutely in, in terms of matt campbell i you know it's funny because every year you get that that part of the year where coaches start to get fired and then matt campbell's name inevitably comes up and it's as if nobody's paying attention you know like i, I remember i was listening to somebody on it was maybe it was espnu radio or wherever it was maybe the podcast they were talking about the Tennessee opening. And it was like, Matt Campbell's name came up and it's like, does anybody pay attention? I, like Matt Campbell said no to the jets. Like, no, I want to even interview with you. So like, <laughs> what, what makes you think he's leaving Iowa state for Tennessee, which is a, a appreciably worse situation or any of these other, you know, it's just funny to me. That's like people just assume, and maybe, you know, maybe that's because it's always been like this, but the guys that have sort of lesser jobs or the perception of lesser jobs, are always looking to get out of those lesser jobs into bigger jobs in, the, in bigger markets or in bigger conferences or whatnot. But, I, you know, we have so many examples, so much evidence of Matt Campbell saying no, that at this point you have to assume that he's not going anywhere until he shocks the world and potentially does go somewhere. But, you know, I, I, I think this, this extension in particular is probably more about his assistant coaches than anything else. Um, it gives him the, the money to go and match, you know, the potential for any uh, of his coordinators to get poached. I'm actually kind of shocked the success that Iowa State's had that there hasn't been more of a push to poach some of these assistant coaches that he has. And maybe so many of these, you know, administrators are chalking up the success of Iowa State under Matt Campbell to Matt Campbell. Uh, but, I mean, what John Haycock has done defensively in this conference, I mean, he has, he has revolutionized defense in this conference. And then Tom Manning on the offensive side of the football. Um, I, I think this extension for Matt Campbell says more about his ability to retain those guys than it does about you know about, about him. Matt Campbell is going to be at Iowa State as long as he wants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So Ari, you know, as we look at this conference uh, from a football perspective, and we'll get to a little basketball, but football perspective going into next year. I mean, it's it's Oklahoma, it's Iowa State, and then you probably put Texas in that mix. I want to touch on the Longhorns. What Steve Sarkeesian has done thus far, I, I admitted at the time I didn't get the firing of Tom Herman. 
I also am admitting now that I'm I'm wrong on that. I have been so impressed with what he's done with the staff. I know it's early and the wins are what matter. But where are you on the Steve Sarkeesian hire and what you think he can do with the Longhorns? So when when Tom Herman was first fired, I was I was pretty surprised. Um, you know, especially given that, you know, just a few weeks earlier, Chris Del Conte basically said, you know, what do you mean? We're he's gonna be our coach next year. Um, but then as, you know, after the firing and, and as things started to come out of Austin, you know, it seemed more and more obvious how much he'd alienated himself from the rest of the athletic department, from many of the players. You know, we saw players start that max exit max exodus, you know, at the end of the season, mass exodus at the end of the season. And you know, so I, I think that was really informative in terms of, you know, just where that program was. So I think like the decision to fire Tom Herman and the decision to hire Steve Sarkeesian, I believe were independent decisions. And, you know, cause I know a lot of people nationally in the media were like, well, why would you fire Herman to hire Sarkeesian? I don't, I don't look at it that way. I think they're two completely separate things. You had to, again, based in hindsight, you had to fire Tom Herman. Um, he, he clearly did not have a great relationship with many of his players. He clearly did not have a, a great relationship with many of the boosters. And that was maybe clearer than anything else. And he clearly didn't have as good of a relationship inside, you know, that athletic department. And that, that's just a recipe for disaster, um, especially when you're not winning at the level that they want you to win at. You know, I was in Austin for the end of the, the, the Mac Brown era, and that probably lasted a few years longer than it should have based on the opposite of that. When, when you know, when Tom Herman was let go, it's like 180 degrees from where Mac Brown was when he was let go. And those, those extra years that Mac Brown got were a testament to his relationships. And, you know, that is just so fundamental to any job and in particular Texas. And, and obviously we're talking specifically here about boosters, but I mean, t- the athletic department administrators, you know, on down the line, it's just such an important job a- as a uh, head coach in college football. You have to be able to manage up and manage down, you know, that's mm-hmm. such a huge piece. And so I think, Again, it was uh, it's obvious that they needed to fire Herman. Now, whether or not they hired Sarkeesian as the right guy, that I think is a legitimate question. And, you know, I do like his staff. Um, I, I really like his staff. I like the early returns in terms of his ability to recruit. And we'll see how much of that cachet can carry over into his you know first full year in recruiting um, and going into the next season. But, you know, I... I you know, I was in Austin and covering Longhorns at the beginning of the end, so to speak. And... It, it just has been the same conversation, Pete. It's really, it's, it's the same entitlement discussion, the same, you know, these guys show up at a campus and they think they've accomplished what, you know, Vince Young and players before they've accomplished. I mean, it's literally been a decade and it's literally three coaches, a decade, same conversation. And so I'm, I'm ready for that narrative to shift and change because I, I think there is some truth to that. I also think like, you know, it, it, it it's hard, you know, it, it, it Coaching and recruiting, it's just endless. And it's, it's, it's as good as you are one year, you have to be even better the next year. And it's, I think it was one of those things where it's like Texas did recruit at a level, but they weren't developing those players. And so over time, you're not developing players in the top draft picks. And because of that, you know, you're not going to be with Alabama and Clemson and, and even A&M, you know, recruiting at that high level. So mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, that's going to continue to be the biggest thing for Sark. Um, and I think the fact that he did bring on some Texas guys, you know, people that knew, know the state of Texas, kind of like, um, you know, we saw Matt Rule do when he came to Baylor. I think that's a great move. So, you know, I do like the hire in hindsight. Um, I, I'm, I'm certainly curious who else they had mined or who else they might have gotten. Um, and I like that Sark, you know, I like his attitude. So we'll, we'll see where this thing goes. But, you know, it's not 
it, it's, it's time for this narrative of the same conversation we've had over three coaches in 10 years in Austin. It's time for that to go away. Yeah, no doubt about it. He is Ari Temkin joining us, host on uh, Big 12 Radio, Sirius XM Channel 375, does the morning show there. Ari, right, big picture with this conference. Uh, we know that since the college football playoff started, only OU has made it, and OU has never won a game in the college football playoff. I feel like that is poised to change here in the next couple of years with what Lincoln Riley's doing defensively with Alex Grinch. But when you look at the Big 12 and, and you say to yourself, okay, where is this conference looking at it from a Power 5 perspective, the depth that it brings to the table? How do you look at college football in general and where the Big 12 fits into that conversation? It's a great question. I mean, it's obvious the SEC is, is the top dog and will continue to be. Um, and then you kind of get into the Big Ten conversation. I think the ACC has has really come on with the way the North Carolina, their program, and the way Mac Brown has rebuilt that thing. And, and then obviously Clemson and Florida State ever get back to being credible. Um, you know, and, and so the ACC is in the up and come. I, I think at this point it's hard not to put the Big 12 third in the, in the, in the power ranking, the conference hierarchy. Um, you know, and, and with the ACC on the rise, um, you know, the, the, the issue with the Big 12 is consistency. Oklahoma's consistent, but beyond that, there's just not much in terms of, you know, year in and year out, who's going to be good on a consistent basis. I, I think Matt Campbell's built something in Iowa State that it could be consistent. Iowa State's going to be really good next year um, because they basically return their entire team. So I think Iowa State and Oklahoma are going to be at the top of the conference again. But for, for longevity and respect, Iowa State's got it. You know, it's about what Kansas does in basketball. It's about what Oklahoma does in football, where you're turning teams over, you're turning rosters over, and you're replacing them with – equally good players that come in and, and continue to, to put that program uh, in the upper echelon. I have no doubt that Matt Campbell will do that. And I think, you know, that's probably a big reason why he wants to continue to, to beat Iowa state to prove that he can build a consistent winner because that's, you know, we've seen a lot of programs be fly by night where it's like they build it up with a core of players. And once those players are gone, so is the program. And, you know, so that's, that's, I think the biggest thing to look at for Matt Campbell um, in terms of consistency. And then obviously Texas too. I mean, the, the strength of this conference is going to be in Oklahoma and Texas and then getting consistency for some of these other players. And I think that will go a long way next year because Iowa state is going to be so good. So it'll be kind of the second year in a row where they're in the national consciousness where, you know, now, now you're building up a, a, a brand that's okay. Iowa state can play some football. And um, no, so I mean, I, I, I would say in terms of like the structure, the, the, the landscape of college football, I'd probably put the big 12 third. Um, and there's a chance next year um, that it could be second uh, because I just think the strength of Oklahoma, like I think Oklahoma's best chance to win a playoff game will be next year. Yeah. They're really good at what they return. You, know, you mentioned defensively, they've really turned a corner. Many of those players are back. Um, they've started to recruit the defensive side of the football. What we saw from, from Spencer rather in that offense at the end of the year, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for Oklahoma to have a huge year next year. And with Iowa State potentially being there, too, I think you know, now you're talking about games that will consistently get Oklahoma ready to play at that level of competition. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right, let's talk some hoops here uh, over the next couple of minutes. This conference, I mean, we talk about depth and being stacked. Uh, I mean, the Big 12, it's just every week is just a grind for these teams, especially the next few weeks when you're going to have some teams playing uh, you know, three games in a week. As you look at the Big 12 right now, it feels like it's Baylor, and then depending on the week, you can make the case for the number two team. Who would you make that case for right now? Texas Tech. Yeah. And I think it's, it's very well said. You know, I, I asked me last week it was Texas. Asked, or asked me last week it was Oklahoma. I asked me the week before that it was Texas. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'd say it's probably Texas Tech. 
and and part of that's what we were talking about a moment ago with consistency. I mean, Matt, uh, what 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 Chris Beard has done at Texas Tech is incredible, considering you know this is a consistency from we expect this program to be top fifteen in the country every year, even though they're you know constantly cycling through players. It wasn't just the Jarrett Culver group that you know put this put this gave this program a stamp. It's now consistently bringing transfers getting those guys drafted, raising their draft status. I mean, it, it's incredible what Chris Beer's done in a short period of time, especially in terms of, you know, elite and consistency. And that's, you know, to me, that's where it's like, I think they have the best longevity to stay in this spot because they've got a ton of talent. Um, and they feel like they're starting to kind of find their groove a little bit here, even with some of the adversity that they've faced, losing some of the players, you know, that they have. And, and you know, uh, Terrence Shannon and, and, you know, how long will he be out, that kind of thing. But, I mean, it's, it's, they're fun to watch. They're, we know they're going to play defense because of how good of a, a defensive mind that Chris Beard is. And, you know, they've got an elite level score at the end of a game that you can go to. And those are like automatically just things like, okay, is this team good? Okay. They have a, they have a go-to guy at the end of a game. Yes. They play good defense. Can they consistently play defense? Yes. Are they well coached? Yeah. Those are three things, three boxes that they check off. So especially when I look at like, can they make, can, who in this conference can make a long run in the NCAA tournament? Texas to me was one of those teams. And yet now they've fallen on hard times. Is that just related to the pandemic or is there, you know, something deeper here with their coaching and, and whatnot? Um, so until I, I see Texas kind of bounce back, I, I'm not sure that I'd pick them to make a long run in the tournament. Oklahoma too, you know, I, Lon Kruger's an incredible coach and you know, the, the emergence of Davion Harmon has been big. Um, but I, I, I need to see Brady Manick, I think, play at a more consistent level before I think they are a team that can make a long run in the tournament. Texas Tech's the team to me that's second best. They have the, the best shot at being consistently second best and not just a one-week kind of thing. Um, and then a team that obviously has, has the ingredients to make a long run in the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Ari, as we uh, wrap it up, last thing for you here. Kansas, uh, we saw them drop out of the top 25 first time in 11 years. What's wrong with the Jayhawks, and will Bill Self write this ship? Yeah, my alma mater, what a tough one, um, especially given how the season ended last year, and now with the FBI, you know, the FBI investigation looming large, it seems like it's, and, and Fran Fraschilla brought this up during a broadcast a couple of weeks ago, we talked about it on Big 12 Radio, and Fran was on with me on Monday, and it, it's hard not to take the investigation and think that that's had an impact on the talent that they have. Now, nobody's going to cry for Kansas. Kansas is still has an elite level talent, um, even with that, you know, even with the quote unquote talent shortfall that they have. Um, Kansas does not have a go-to guy. They don't know where they go in the waning moments of the game. You know, Marcus Garrett's going to initiate the offense, but he's not an elite level scorer. He's an elite level defensive player. You know, so they dump it into to, to Dave McCormick and let him go to work. Is that is that their best path? That certainly seems to be the case, and, and certainly, you know, based on the game on Monday night against Oklahoma State, the way that they played, dumping it into him and letting him go to work, you know, that looks good. Except that, I mean, he kind of took advantage of Caleb Boone a little bit, who's undersized, and and you know, that's a matchup they can exploit. Whereas, I'm just not sure long term that that's they're going to get as fortuitous of matchups for McCormick on the inside to really feast on a, a smaller-bodied player like that. And so, you know, I mean, I, I look at them and what's their what's what's the problem? Well, I mean. First of all, they just don't have the talent that we're seeing them have, but they still have talent, so that shouldn't be a reason for why they're this bad, quote-unquote. Um, I think, you know, they're not good defensively. That's probably the biggest thing. Um, they're, in fact, really bad defensively. 
Um, and that's, you know, I mean, giving up 90 to hundred points consistently in the big 12, like that's not, that's not good for a, a long tournament run. So can Bill Self fix it? Sure. I think he's the best coach in America. I think he's the best coach in the big 12, obviously, if I'm thinking he's the best coach in America, but I just don't know that he like, there's enough talent or enough ability, especially the defensive end to fix it. The, the biggest issues are exactly what we talked about with Texas Tech, what they have. Tech has a go-to sport at the end of the game. Tech has a great de- defense. They have a great coach. Kansas is a great coach. They don't have a great defense. They don't have a go-to score at the end of the game. So it's going to be tough for them to, to do anything. Um, I think making the tournament this year would be a huge victory for this, this program, considering, you know, where it is right now. Uh, but I don't expect them to make, to make, you know, make a deep run of the tournament. Ari, I mean, there's some really good stuff and, and we appreciate all you guys are doing on big 12 radio, continuing to cover this conference every single day, which as we talked about earlier in the conversation, it's just, not getting enough attention nationally, and it should. And and you guys are doing great work on Big 12 Radio. We appreciate your insights on heartlandcollegesports.com, and we will uh, talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, brother. Be well and uh, and take care. All right, Temkin, Big 12 Radio, awesome insight. Appreciate his time. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartlandcollegesports.com is the site, and really appreciate Ari's night's words on uh, the website and keeping tabs on it from his perspective with what he does every day and You know what? That's why we started this website. That's why I started it. Because this conference, I noticed, was not getting enough attention nationally. It was SEC, Big Ten, and I think there are some other Power Five conferences around. I mean, that's that's what it was about. And I said, screw that. And it was me and a laptop and a few bucks, and here we are, you know, a few years later, and... We're reaching hundreds of thousands of people on all our platforms every month. And we are grateful to each and every one of you for that. And by the way, before we end this conversation, please do leave a rating and a review on the podcast. We'll send you a free Heartland College Sports Koozie if you send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. It means so much to us if you would do that uh, because it helps this show grow on iTunes, on all the digital media platforms. So thank you guys for taking that moment out. Stay warm if you're like me in Kansas City or anywhere in the Midwest for that matter. It seems like you got to go pretty damn far south to get some warm air this week. So appreciate you guys. Appreciate Ari. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.